the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. Forecast calling for a cloudy rest of the day. Might get a shower along the way, 53 the low tonight. Staying cloudy, a few showers and thunder showers likely tomorrow, 74 the high, then still kind of cloudy for Saturday and Sunday, maybe a little sunshine along the way, cooler on Saturday, high 61, Sunday's high 69. Phils beat the Mets 6-0 last night, Reese Hoskins with a triple and a home run that took him about seven hours to run around the bases, he'd been uh, plunked or whizzed. I guess I almost hit the night before, and he hit a home run off the pitcher and said, you know what, I'm going to take my time going around the bases. Uh, and so in any case, the Phils win. They're 13-11, and 11, just like the Mets are, and they're tied for first at this point in the young season. They're home tonight now. Those Phillies are taking on Miami. 7.05 start. Aaron Nola on the mound for the Phils. The Sixers are at Toronto Saturday. Time yet to be determined for Game 1 of their Eastern Conference semifinals. And the NFL draft happening starting at 7 o'clock tonight. The uh, Arizona Cardinals, 49ers, and Jets pick one, two, three with the Eagles' first pick at number 25 in that draft. When Joyce Smith's son falls through an icy lake, all hope seems lost, but Joyce refuses to give in. Breakthrough reminds us even when facing impossible odds, faith and love create a mountain of hope and sometimes even a miracle. It's based on a true story, an inspirational one. Breakthrough.com, a breakthroughmovie.com is the website for it. Just came out about a week ago. And it's a movie that can help resurrect your faith and point you and your friends toward the God of miracles. We were privileged to have Chrissy Metz, who stars as Joy Smith, on the program. You may know her from the TV series This Is Us. And I asked her about her playing that Joy Smith character. And tell us about this central character, Joy Smith. This is Chrissy Metz. Joyce is a force of nature. She is a tough cookie with a, a sense of humor like no other. Um, she doesn't take herself too seriously. Um, but she's also flawed. You know, she's a human being, as we all are, um, trying to figure out this life thing. And she advocates for her, her son. She has unwavering love and faith um, that he's going to survive. And she's the only one that believes that. And, um, you know, there, that, there takes um, a special person to, to stand in the face of adversity um, time and time again, even when your own husband doesn't believe that your son's going to survive. So she's just an incredible woman, and I'm, I'm just grateful to play her, for sure. That's Chrissy Metz, again, from the TV series This Is Us, and she stars as Joyce Smith in this brand-new movie, which you can find out, Breakthrough, which you can find out more again online, BreakthroughMovie.com. Uh, I am joined today in this fine studio by a gentleman named Paul... My middle name is Paul. Did you know? Did you know that, Paul? I don't think I did. That's no. news. Yeah, Paul is my cousin. I get a little closer to the mic. Pretend okay. It's your, pretend it's your favorite ice cream or favorite dessert. <laughs> sure. And uh, Paul and I are cousins. I guess your grandmother 
and my mom are sisters. Correct. Yeah. I think it's second cousins. Third. Yeah. My father's your cousin. Yeah. Whatever that makes. However it works. (laughs) We're family. Yeah, we are. And you happen to be in town for a couple of days, and you're doing some speaking, but you have a backstory, and as the Lord orchestrated things, this was your kind of one down day before all the speaking engagements kick in. Right, right. It's amazing how it worked out because, as I told you, I left that day open, and I had two extra days, and I said, God, you have to fill the time, and it just worked out that you reached out to me, and this here I am. Yes. Well, so. there's just as a quick, uh, it, for, for folks just tuning in, here's kind of where I'm thinking where Paul fits in with this. First of all, uh, this program is often based on, really, we talk about being based on John three sixteen for God so loved the world, world, that whoever believes uh, you know, in him, uh, his son, will, will have uh, eternal life, not perish, but have eternal life. And, um, and so to me, everybody in the world's interesting, and just on the fact that they're made in God's image. So when I think about having a show and, and having people on or not, whatever it might be, um, I'm starting with that, and so it's exciting. Whether someone's like a well-known athlete or an evangelist or a pastor or someone locally who serves in the community and you've never heard of them before, they all matter to God. So that's exciting right. for me. So then there's always the tie-in for family. But also because of your, your testament of what God's done in your life, um, number one is an encouragement to those who are struggling in their walk and or parents who, you know. So we want to get into that a little bit. Absolutely. you have <laughs> – a lot of ground to cover. Sure. And you've also been doing some traveling. Correct. Just came back from the other side of the world last night. And uh, thank what? God the jet lag isn't as bad as it was going over there. What What time is it for you about? 10 o'clock? S- six hours ahead, 10 o'clock at night. Okay. So so right now, but by the end of the show, you'll be nodding off a little hopefully bit. Hopefully. Got the coffee in hand. So. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. So we'll take a short break and we'll come back. I'm going to jump into this. We also have some giveaways to do. Speaking of coffee. Uh, we will be uh, giving away some Duncan and uh, Wawa. We have another bonus uh, prize to hand out as well. Uh, but as we head into our first break, just want to let folks know, TBN has a brand new show for you to check out weekday afternoons, 1.30 Eastern. It's called Better Together. Speaking of coffee, uh, this is TBN's first daily original program, and they invite you to grab a cup of your favorite coffee or tea and join Victoria Osteen, Lori Crouch, and Christine Kane for authentic, fruitful conversations about faith and life. Encourage you to laugh, grow, enjoy a sense of community. Better Together is a show made by women for women, presented from an uplifting perspective, looking to encourage viewers in their day-to-day lives. Uh, Better Together tackles a variety of topics, friendships, identity, intimacy with God, children and family, social media, how to hear God's voice. On tomorrow's show, Better Together, we'll talk about growing with friends. Again, all from an encouraging, uplifting perspective. Each week, those topics change, keeping things fresh and relevant. That's Better Together, weekday afternoons, 1.30 Eastern on TBN or anytime on the TBN app. Why live alone when we can do life together? Better Together. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. It's 410 on our swell broadcast, Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com. My cousin Paul, Paulie. Do I call you Paulie? Your family. Yeah, they call me Paulie in the family, Paulie or Paul. <laughs> when I'm in New York, it's always Paulie. All right. So, well, that's good. Let's. I, I want to give you the floor here for a good chunk of our program together. And for those again just tuning in, sure. uh, God's done a lot of work in your life, and so it all began when you were born. <laughs> that, actually, it begins before I was born. Um, 
I have two older brothers, right? My, my mom and dad were told that they couldn't have children, so they adopted yes. my brothers from birth. My mother, um, Italian Catholic woman, faithfully goes to church every day, five, six days a week, Had um, went to a charismatic Catholic meeting and had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that changed her life. She began to pray. Somebody handed her a book on intercession, and as she was reading the book, God said, ask me for a son. They had been married 14, 15 years, and she got pregnant with me within a month. So it's like Psalm 139, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Um, I didn't connect to that purpose so much until later on in my life when I started to walk with the Lord, but that that was the... That's how I was brought into the world, yeah. And um, and that was in Chicago. And then I moved all over the United States. You name it: Chicago, Denver, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Atlanta, New York, Connecticut. Connected to my father's job, yeah. Which was which was he was the first one to graduate college, both yeah. sides of the family, and he became a successful businessman. He ended up becoming a CEO of a, a large Fortune 500 company and retired in South Florida at 55. I mentioned that that company to our production director, and he said, quote, I want the chocolate-covered donuts, pies back. <laughs> sure. Oh, the pies. Got, they got discontinued. Sure. Are we allowed to say the name of the company? Yeah, go ahead. Entenmann's, right? Yeah, Entenmann's. You got it. <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> They're over there staring at me. Bring, bring the donuts. <laughs> well, I like the, the Pop-Ums are the best ones. The Pop-Ums. I was a big fan of the chocolate chip cookies growing up, and they'd send me care packages when I was in college, and <laughs> we would have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, but um, okay. It, in in the moving around a lot, I think I got lost in the shuffle. We moved every two years, always being the new kid. And I had some problems growing up, just uh, fighting with the brothers, and I became somewhat of a rebellious at a younger age in my life. And when we were living in Southern California, around twelve years old, it's the first time I tasted alcohol, and um, hmm. I quickly soon developed into a habit. By the time I was thirteen, fourteen, I had moved into hardcore drug use. Um, stopped going to school my freshman year, uh, crystal meth, cocaine. I was I was living a fast life, got in trouble with the police, um, ended up in juvenile hall. We had moved to Atlanta at this point. And we, okay. I was raised in church, so I, was, I had the backdrop of faith in the Lord, but I, it was more of a logical understanding. I never denied Jesus. But from 12 to 24, I was in and out of jail, in and out of rehabs, severely depressed, Asking God why me, you know, for two years of my teenage life, I was in institutions, well, three and a half, actually, um, juvenile hall, wilderness programs, an outdoor therapeutic program, a foster home in between for a few days, boarding school for a reformatory boarding school. I ran away from there, lived in New York, and then my parents let me come live at home. So it was never normalcy. There was never stability. It was moving. It was chaos. It was drugs. It was becoming addicted to excitement. And um, did, did moving around play into the, I mean, not uh, meaning like uh, I didn't have that quote unquote testimony growing up as far as knowing, but, but when you stop and move physically to another location, does that hit a reset button for you at all, one way or another? I think they say wherever you go, there you are. Yeah, it's a John, John Cusack, Better Off Dead movie. Exactly. <laughs> I remember exactly. that. Remember wherever you are, there you, you are. You know, the geographical location change doesn't work. When you have deep-rooted problems, it can give you a fresh start if you're going in with the right mindset. But if you're not really ready to change, could it make it worse? I mean, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, okay. because you're lost in the shuffle. And the way you connect in a new city when you have a lifestyle of partying is finding the same people doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, so by the time I was 21, 
22, I'd been arrested a handful of times, assault and battery. I worked in a nightclub industry in Connecticut and New York. I got three DWIs, about seven, eight assault charges. Couldn't go out without getting into a fight. In and out of court, in and out of jail. Eventually had to spend a small time in prison for a few months in Connecticut. Uh, while I was in there, I read my Bible every day, did push-ups. And I said, man, when I get out of here, I want to live like this because I knew the truth existed in there. But the day I got out, I had nowhere to walk back into. I was living in New Haven, Connecticut, and I went back to my old neighborhood. And within a few weeks, I got arrested again for a fight in a nightclub. So it was a constant chaos. Actually, I found a journal years later after I got out of prison that said, Dear God, I want to be a good person. I just don't know how. And uh, Romans 7 speaks of that in the scriptures. Every time I want to do good, I end up doing bad. Um, eventually, I, I moved down to Florida. The geographical location changed. My mom said, well, there's a Christian college in Palm Beach, and yeah. your, your your father could get you into the school, uh, Bob DeMoss. Okay, okay. Because he was on the board of directors, and I had a rap sheet. So I said, okay, maybe if I go to a Christian college with some good people, I can improve my life. And the first day I moved to Florida, I was down in Miami Beach doing the same thing. Uh, the long story short was after two years of school there, um, this is 2004 going into 2005. One of my best friends had committed suicide, and um, I was extremely depressed. I was drinking uh, cocaine uh, we, on a daily, weekly basis. And um, mm. the school that I attended, Palm Beach Atlantic University, I'll shout them out. It's an amazing place that yeah. changed my life. It's a Christian school, West Palm Beach. Uh, the consequence for my drinking was, hey, you have to go get treatment. That's what the school university Yes, told you. they said they were going to suspend me, and I argued with them. They said, okay, we'll let you finish because this is my senior year. But the deal is after you graduate, we're going to withhold your diploma unless you attend rehab. And I didn't want to go. I went kicking and screaming. I didn't I didn't have a problem. Everybody else had a problem. But my father, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. My, father, my father told me, maybe it's a good idea, son. So we went and looked at some places. I found a place. So I, now I know the deadline. I have two weeks after I graduate before I, I go to treatment. And I, I spent those two weeks uh, in a blackout, as, as drunk and as high as you could get. And um, Just to jam it all, like crash diet before yeah. you, you're not going to Oh, yeah, eat. big time, big time. Graduation money. All right, so you drink your coffee and hold that there. That okay. thought, we'll take a short break. We're ch- it's Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com. My cousin Paul is in town. He's actually doing some speaking throughout the tri-state area, sharing his testimony and doing some ministry work, and we'll share about that. But want to hear a little the other piece of this testimony, and uh, and then we'll come back and kind of lead into also some of the world travels. One of the things, just to give you folks that are listening an idea, I think it's great every now and again, we'll try and have a guest on who is from another part of the world or has been traveling at a friend of ours, Bill and Krista Campbell on who are missionaries in France, for example, uh, maybe a month, six weeks ago, gives a perspective, what's the Lord doing in France? Or my brother-in-law, who actually is a, in the, with a seminary in Brazil, you know, to remember God's the God of all of it, not That's just right. tri-state area or, you know, whatever. So we'll continue on, and, and Paul's going to help give us some of that perspective, especially with some of your recent travels. Back in just a moment, Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, and WFIL.com. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560, WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. 421, Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Just uh, doing a little texting. Gary G. Cobb is going to be joining us in a little bit, chatting some NFL draft. But also, uh, in addition to that, we always love having Gary on. He's got a great sense of humor, loves the Lord. And among the things that God's had him doing is he does some prison ministry. 
my guest today is my cousin Paul, who is uh, you were mentioning had been in prison a little bit as part of the rebellious, you know. Sure, I also uh, do prison ministry and jail ministry, and right, it, all, it all connects. I love going in now and walking out as opposed to <laughs> staying hearing those doors yeah. shut, man. Yeah, I bet, I bet. So you guys will have some something in common to chat about. We'll probably have G on in about next ten minutes or so. But before the break, you were sharing some of your testimony, and right. for this, just tuning in, roughly around the age of twelve. Things started to go off track. Your family was moving a lot with your dad's work, and you found yourself doing all kinds of things, drinking and drugs over time, sure. getting to fights and getting arrested for different things. Um, and so you mentioned going to Palm Beach Atlantic in Florida. My son, Tim, goes there. That's right. And um, and you were in there and close to graduating, got in trouble again. And so take it from there. So I have the two-week window before I, they, they sentence me to go to treatment. I come back to my parents' house on a Saturday morning. Uh, I had been up for two days, no sleep. I took some pills. I woke up Sunday morning. Uh, my mother is waking me up saying, come on, it's time to go to church. And I said, no, I'm okay. Uh, you guys go ahead. I didn't was in no space to be going to church. So I said, go say some prayers for me. And then I hear the garage door open and the car leaves. And I'm laying in my bed. And I had been depressed, suicidal on and off for years. Um, and every time I would hear this voice of hope on the inside saying, just hang on, you're going to beat this thing one day. And I would cry and I would use drugs and I would mask the pain because I didn't know how to change. So when that garage door opened, I was laying there and that that voice of hope was silent. I said, there's absolutely no way I can go to another treatment center and change. I've tried everything. I've been to jail. I've been to prison. I've been to rehabs. I've been to church. So what's the point? And uh it's uh, the ultimate sacrifice, I guess, is the, the only way out became death becomes your savior at that point, because how do you break the vicious cycle? So I, I got out of bed and I said, you know, I'm going to go downstairs and grab my father's gun and I was going to kill myself. And I felt like I was doing a service to the world because everything I was doing at that point was bringing pain into people's lives, the people I love. So I got out of my bed and I walk into my closet and I said a prayer for my mom and dad. I said, Lord, help them to get over this and not feel the guilt. And I start to walk downstairs, but my mother comes walking in. I said, Mom, what are you doing? I thought you went to church. And she she looks at me and she says, no, I'm not going to go this morning. I said, don't stay home because of me. And she said, when we were driving down the street, the Holy Spirit told me not to leave you by yourself. And so then I look back at her and I'm. it's like the demons clinched my brain. The drugs are still working in me, the pain, the suffering. And I said, well, I'll be in my room. And I'm thinking I got a knife in my room. I, I, I don't want to live. And my mom says, no, Jesus said, wherever you go, I'm supposed to go. So I walk into my room and my mom's, I lay in the bed. She sits on the bed next to me. She lays her hand on me. I start to cry. Um, I fall back asleep. I wake up and I go out one more time. I said, I'll be back in an hour. Next thing you know, it's nine in the morning. I'm out partying. I'm supposed to check into rehab. And um, for the sake of time, I had a sober friend pick me up. You take your time. Get yeah. Down. And... um he drove me home. I grabbed my Bible, and I grabbed the Purpose Driven Life, which is the 40-day devotional for you read one one chapter a day for 40 days. I never made it past the second day for like six years. <laughs> so I'm still doing drugs. I pack my Bible. I pack the Purpose Driven Life. I get to the tree. You're about to go to the center, right? Yeah, okay, yeah right? I'm doing cocaine in the, in the bathroom. I'm grabbing the Bible, and somehow, <laughs> some way. My buddy gets me to the treatment center. The treatment center won't accept me because I'm too high on drugs and on alcohol. So I have to go to a detox center. I fight it the whole way there. I said, I don't want detox. My buddy's like, Paulie, I think you need some help. So he gets me to the detox. The nurse settles me down with some Valiums and helps me to calm my heart rate down. And I fall asleep, and then I wake up in a detox center in South Florida. And um, 
I just thinking, I said, wow, like for the first time in my life, I had the the revelation that either I'm going to change. I, I said, man, you almost killed yourself and you're getting out of control and you you know, you're going to end up in prison or dead. And I knew that I knew that something has to break. I can't get out of here and continue. That's the first time that I fully knew that. And so they have a thing in a Alcoholics Anonymous called H&I, Hospitals and Institutions. And a speaker came in the next day. And uh, he said, he, he gave his story. His story made me feel like I didn't do anything wrong. He'd been through so much trauma and death and his family and abuses. And by comparison, you were... But at the same time, I'm judging him because on the outward, he's got tattoos, head to toe, and gauges, and I was this cocky little Italian-Greek <laughs> guy who thinks he knows better. Because when you're insecure and you don't love yourself, you look around a room and you compare and you judge. And I know um, later on in life, God uh, has taught me to never look at anybody, like the Scripture says in Second Corinthians 5, according to their outward appearance, but through the revelation that Jesus Christ died for the world and to see them by the Spirit. But at that point, I'm judging the guy. And he shares his story. And when he says, four months ago, I met God, and he didn't even say Jesus. He said, my life changed completely. And I had already that personal understanding that Jesus was God and Savior of the world. So, um, you know, I like to point out that I never saw that guy again. I talk about him all the time. So you never know the impact that you leave on a person's life just Mm -hmm. by sharing your testimony. And um, I went back to my room by myself, and I said, Jesus, I've heard about you my whole life. I said, I've always been afraid to let go of these certain things, whether it was money or my sex life or my future. I wanted control of these areas. I kind of just wanted to be a nice guy with a normal life with a little Jesus. I didn't know what it meant to fully surrender. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I said, Father, I need you to come hold my hand because I'm afraid I'm going to die and just teach me how to live. And I said that, come hold my hand. And when I prayed that, I felt God's presence in a way that I had never experienced it before. I grew up in and around church. I never had really um, a deep awareness of his presence. But at that moment, I was aware that uh, infinite power and love was in the room with me and enveloped the room. I don't want to overstate it, but it was a a moment that changed my life. Um, The next day, I start to read the Bible. I start to read The Purpose Driven Life. And three days later, they moved me over to the treatment center. So I'm out of the detox, and because I kind of always was an evangelist, I could be drunk, and if somebody said something about Jesus, I'd be, I'd be like, hey, watch your mouth, or we're going we're gonna to have a problem. Like, I, I never had a problem with, with being vocal and being uh, somebody to rock the boat or to stand on, on moral ground, even though I, I said, you know, I'll probably die and go to hell because I'm living like a, a horrible person, but I believe Jesus is God. So at this point, I'm telling everybody in the treatment, if you want to get sober, you better find Jesus. So... <laughs> I used explicitives behind that, yeah. you know, in, in, in every way. But about six, seven days into my little Bible study with the Jewish guy and two agnostics, that's my first Bible study. And uh, <laughs> the, the, one of the agnostic gentlemen comes in my room and says, hey, man, I, whatever happened to you, I want that same thing to happen to me. So I said, well, here's what I prayed. I said, Father, come hold my hand. So let's ask him to hold your hand and let's invite Jesus in. And so he starts to cry. And again, I had another experience there, and it can be subjective, but... It was as if I'm out of my body on top of the room watching me pray with this gentleman in the Spirit, and I heard God's voice say, this is why I saved your life, and I'm going to use you to do this for the rest of your life, even send you around the world. Mm. And as you know, I just got back from halfway around the world. But that, that was So I came back into the moment, and I started to cry. I cried from—it I, seemed like three hours. might have been five minutes. And I just felt the love of God washing over my, in the presence of God saying, you're not an alcoholic, a drug addict. You're not a mess up. You're my son and I love you. And I was deep boohoo sobbing 
and it was it was cleansing it was healing and then i woke up even 10 times more on fire than the day before i'm still but at this point i'm black and white and i'm rigid yes i'm still battling with bad thoughts am i going to make it but i had a confidence that god was with me for the first time in my life i had hope that i could actually walk this thing out and it was it was mind blowing because I, I had no idea what that what that looked like, but I knew that God was with me and that my life was changing and that I wasn't going to go back to drugs and alcohol. Yay, that was fourteen years ago, and and here I am, you know, haven't touched a drop or a drug since then. Praise the Lord. My cousin Paul is in studio with us. He's actually uh, he's living in Florida, but in the area this uh, next few days doing some ministry work over the course of the tri-state area. And as it turned out, this is his day. He just flew in last night from uh, another country, and and here he is uh, with some coffee to keep him awake with the jet hmm. lag. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation with him. We're also going to bring in Gary Cobb in a second. Just a quick check on the forecast, a cloudy evening ahead, and really the next several days, right through Sunday, supposed to be basically cloudy, maybe the occasional sunny break. Tomorrow especially supposed to be pretty uh, rainy, 74 the high, a few showers and thunder showers expected. Uh, Saturday, not so much, but on Sunday, maybe back to a little bit of rain. Cooling off for Saturday, 61 the high, and Sunday the high, 69. Phils beat the Mets last night. They play at home tonight against Miami. Aaron Nola on the mound. Sixers start their weekend, uh, next round of, of playoffs this Saturday. Uh, time to be determined yet at Toronto, game one of the Eastern Conference semifinals. And the NFL draft is going on starting at 7 o'clock tonight with the Eagles uh, picking 25th in that draft. You're, you're a sports fan, right, Paul? Yes, I am. Yeah. Go but, Bears. Yeah. I, well, I see it because I moved around a lot. It was Bears, then it became Yankees. So I got I got a mixed bag of teams that I root for. You get for. some big market teams there. We're going right. to bring in uh, Gary G. Cobb now. Hey, G. Hey, doing, friend? You there? Yeah, the right, do I have the button pushed up? Oh, is he, is he there, Joe? Is there? I'm not hearing. Am I, am I missing something? I'm not sure if he's... You double check, John. I'm gonna put it on a hold. Can you see it? Make sure that we didn't lose him. That can happen, you know, every now and again. Because I'm not hearing. Yeah? Yes, no. Joe is talking to me. Okay. Oh, all right. He'll call back. I think we might have missed. Anyway, um, yeah, G's, G's a great guy because he joins the program every few weeks. He'll call in. Sure. Played for the Eagles, so he knows the sports, but he Absolutely. also has gone on and done broadcasting for years. Okay. And loves the Lord a lot. And he's uh, he's done a lot of interesting things in his lifetime. And part of what he does is he actually counsels NFL players. He says there's a huge transition when you are leaving <laughs> the That's sport right. you've all, all right. the, that you've played since you were a kid, and now all of a sudden that camaraderie's gone. And the day-to-day routine is gone. And now you're, like, trying to start over again when you're 37. Who am I apart yeah. from that? Like, and you're oh, filling yeah. out resumes. Fill out a resume? What? I'm <laughs> So, sure. uh, in any case, we'll, we'll work G in here. I think we're getting him back on the line. But he, one of the things he does is he serves in prisons. And you, maybe we could talk to that for a second. Oh, I think we're back now. I think G is here. Hey, G, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you making out? Good. I'm glad we, we made the connection here. My cousin Paul is on the line. Uh, it's in the studio, actually. Hey, Paul, you, mm-hmm. can you guys hear each other? What's going on, G? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing great, doing great. And uh, we're going to see what the Eagles do tonight. You know, I uh, I think they're going to try to get a, a defensive lineman, probably. It's probably going to be one of those big defensive tackles. Sure. Uh, because this supposed, supposed to be a very deep draft with, with regards to the uh, defensive line. And the Eagles... Um, Philosophy is to make sure that they uh, they address the um, the defensive uh, or the uh, the offensive or the defensive line first. They try to um, 
to make sure that they're strong up there because if you are winning the battle up front, you're probably winning the game as well. So that's um, right. That's that's their philosophy, and you know they got a Super Bowl out of it. So I think they're going to have that same philosophy tonight. It cool. sounds yeah, it sounds good. You know they they don't pick till twenty five, which is a good and a bad thing. It means you had a good year the year before. But at the same yeah. time, you know, but you can still get, and, and they pick early in the second round, I think relatively early. Or, I mean, it's like a 50, around 50, 53. So it's kind of in the middle. I guess it's in the middle, a little earlier than you might have thought. So uh, hopefully, uh-huh. I, I mean, hopefully they'll, they'll, I mean, they'll, they'll have a solid draft. And what are, you, what are you thinking about in terms of the, the overall draft, G? Have you thought about it much in terms of what the team's going to be after and uh, thinking about the injuries to some of the players or players like Jason Peters getting older and every year they think it'll be his last year, but he keeps coming back? What are your thoughts that might do overall? I, I could I could see them, uh, you know, uh, looking at uh, you know getting an uh, an offensive tackle. You know, a lot of it depends on how they feel about you know Halepuli Vati Vaitai, as well as Jordan Mailata. These are some young players, uh, but if they see somebody they think's got a uh, you know a uh, higher potential, uh, they could go ahead and draft them. And, and 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 this is the other thing to remember about the Eagles this year. They want to draft a lot of players because next year, chances are they're hoping that they have to give 25 to $30 million a year to Carson Wentz. And with, with the, having to do that, that means it's similar to what happened just uh, a couple of days ago with uh, Seattle and Russell Wilson. Because they're paying him $35 million a year, they had to let Frank Clark, Clark go, who – Who's got, who wanted you know get a big contract himself? So they let him go, and what they're going to do is they're going to draft a defensive end with that with that first round pick they got for him. See, yes, because they don't they don't have to pay these young players. You don't have to pay these guys for you know uh, four four or four or five years. So that's what teams have to do if they got a franchise quarterback that they got to pay all this money to. Mm. They got to make sure that they have some quality young players. If they got out of the draft, that they don't have to pay yet, if they want to have a good team, they're going to have to have quality players, meaning there's a lot of pressure on the Eagles to have a great draft because these young players are going to be the key to their team because they're not going to be able to play all, pay all the other positions. They're going to need young rookies and second- and third-year guys who are quality players. That means they guys have to come in here and be ready to play. So. This is going to be a very important time for the Eagles, you know, with the fact that you're going to have to sign Carson Wentz and give him big money. Yeah, and those those young players, obviously, they make so little comparison that it helps average down what uh, Carson's making and make it make it all fit financially for the team. Uh, Gary G. Cobb is with us, longtime mm-hmm. athlete and sportscaster, and uh, gcobb.com, one of the places you can find him. Uh, on the other side of things, too, G, uh, we, we were mentioning while we were trying to connect with you there, about part of the work you've done post-playing and in addition to the broadcasting is ministering to players, helping them transition, and you've done a lot of work in prisons. And my guest, Paul, who's my cousin, he was sharing his testimony earlier about what life's like on that side of things. And uh, talk about your your ministry. And, and, Paul, we haven't talked about how you work sure. in prisons, too. Maybe you guys can continue do some collaborating in that regard. Absolutely. Well, you know, um, in a lot of ways, uh, when you get and you start talking to um, – some of the players, or, 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 or let's say some of the uh, inmates, because I, I was just up at the uh, facility uh, just on Tuesday. Um, you know, you, you're dealing with a lot of 
you know, similar challenges of some of the young players, young you know, African American players you have in the NFL who didn't have a relationship with their dad. Uh, they don't know what it is really to be a man. They're just trying to emulate things they've seen on television, at the movies, things they've heard people say, you know, uh, out of, on the corner or at the playground and things. Um, they really don't know what it means. You know, what, what does being a man, what does that mean, you know? And so um, I, I try to talk to them about things, looking at it from their perspective. They wish they had a relationship, a better relationship with their father. Hmm. I said, well, the thing you can do is make sure that you have a relationship with your, with your son. You know, make sure you take the time, let him know, look, um, I believe in you, I love you, I care about you. You know, even when they do something wrong, you know what? You can't do that. You, I cannot, you know, let you do this. You can't be doing whatever A, B, C, or D. But I still want you to know I love you and I believe in you, you know, and that um, I'm going to be here for you. Yeah. You know, you don't have to worry about me. You know, I'm here now. and I'm, No, I'm going to be here for you, and I'm going to always be here for you. And I believe in you. I think you, you're going to do good things in your life and everything. And just like God believes in me, I believe in you. And just like he's there for me, I'm going to be here for you. You know, we should be a, a model of the Father, the God, you know, God of the Father that we worship and serve. And we need to be that model there for our sons. And that's what helps a youngster be able to develop to where he can both love and yet he can be strong and be able to stand uh, and, and, and take certain stands uh, that need to be taken, you know, in protection of uh, the weaker um, uh, people yeah. in weaker situations. But to do it lovingly, uh, to not have a problem saying that he cares about somebody, that he loves somebody, you know, not have a problem with that, because that's part of being a man, you know, uh, but yet being able to be strong and to, uh, to be able to um, not always think of himself. Do you find yeah. that do you find that 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 and Paul, you can also speak to this too that that a, that an inmate will, despite their limited ability to maybe carry out some of that day to day, really very limited, that they're still like they could hear a message like that and be able to start thinking. Well, until then, let me do what I can to to emulate that. Have you seen some of that, Paul? Or yeah, I think. Most of my work right now is in the in the uh, county jail. I do prison ministry as well, so it's a different it's a different bag in the county jail. But so a lot of my guys are transitioning out, and some of them are transitioning to prison, and some of them might only be doing sixty days, ninety days, thirty days. So I get a different uh, yeah audience there, and I think the key is for them to yeah their wheels are going to turn, and if G talks to them with the passion and the the love of the father that he has, that he and I do the same, their wheels are turning. They know at some level if they're coming to the chapel service what they have to do or what needs to be done. And so I think that the encouragement or bringing them further and, and having a captive, a real captive audience yeah. can get them to start thinking in that direction. And the big, the biggest issue always is the transition phase and how they leave jail, how they leave prison is going to, is how they're going to reenter society. So if, if they, if they have a plan, if they're connected in the relationship with the Lord and doing their daily reading and prayer and have a focused plan to get out so they can be a father, that's where we got to improve 
to to help them make that transition so that they can. Yeah. Well, do yeah. you do, and do you and G? Do you find that your message is received? Because because Paul was sharing his testimony. There was a part of the, your testimony you were sharing earlier, Paul, where you knew, but you still had a hard like heart about you know I I I do want it, I don't want it, whatever. You can still push it away, or I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. But there may be a point. So it's not assuming that there's going to be a softness necessarily. Uh, just because you're in a humble state, humbled state, right? So I don't know. Do you find that G at all with uh, your message is received fairly well, or do you find people still are stubborn and, despite their circumstances, would would push you away? It, 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 it definitely varies. Uh, it varies, and it, it varies day to day because a, a lot of these youngsters, uh, you know, they're, they're in um, all kind of different circumstances, and and they're at all different. Uh, types of uh, positions in the whole transition or in in their relationship with the Lord, you know, that they uh, might not have a relationship with Him yet, but they're looking. They know they're looking for something because they haven't found the answer anywhere else. So they know that, um, you know, some of the things that had uh, maybe they thought were going to be good for them, they realized it wasn't. So they're, they're looking. And, and that's why they will sit and and listen to you, and you can see them listening to your every word because they know that there's a they're, or they're hoping there's an answer somewhere, but they know they haven't found it yet. So yeah, uh, that's why you know it's it's uh you know you you get open ears when you talk to them because uh, they they uh, they're they're hoping that there's a better life for them. So um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but you have all kind of things. But the guys are in you know because. You know, they're still in prison, and, and uh, you know, they have to protect themselves in there. You know, it can be very dangerous, you know, in a prison, you know, because, um, well, you know, I could talk forever about all the things that could happen in there. So yeah. it's, um, it's, it's a volatile situation. Uh, but for a few minutes, see, they're able to go into an atmosphere where most of the people in the room are safe. You know, even, even the, the guards like to... Uh, come into our, uh, you know, uh, sessions and time that we have because the guard can feel safe because most of the time when they're in the regular population, hey, somebody might have made a weapon and, and the guy, and, and before you look up and the guy's trying to gouge, gouge your eye out, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, so the guards are, you know, it, it, it's uh, it's very tense in the whole population and in a um, facility, especially when the maximum, well, you know, uh, heavy security, you know, where... You have all different types of people in there. Um, it, it's uh, it, it's a lot of pressure on the guards because a lot of them, really, a lot of them, I see where um, uh, the, the the guards need ministry. Absolutely, amen. amen. Yeah, Jay, we got a yeah. break. We got to take, but uh, and that no that problem. gets great insight for people to know how to pray for the work you're doing, for the work Paul's doing. That God's got a hold of him now too, and. Uh, yeah, that's good insight. It's great insight. Gee, we gotta we'll run and we'll catch up with you again soon and maybe post Eagles draft we could do a little analysis. Hey, uh you you know the number, I'm I'll always be available for you. <laughs> that sounds great. God bless All you, right. my friend. God bless you, G. All right. Hey, nice talking to you guys. All right. All right. Very good. It's G Cobb, uh, com for more info on him and the articles he writes. Short break, we'll come back with my cousin uh, Paul and he'll share some more of what God's been doing since he got a hold of you. It's Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Live and local. 
It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 447, Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. My cousin Paul is in town. Uh, before I forget, is, are the are the places that you're ministering this weekend, are they kind of open if someone wants to go to a church or is it, or is they come They up, are. Oh, Okay. Um, but I don't have all the information so that's fine. on deck. You can look up that. We have one more break. We'll take a little later. Okay. You can look it up and maybe Great. let people know about that uh, as far as ministering. Or rather, um, so the Lord got a hold of you and he started to use you right away in right. rather unorthodox ways. Right. That's 12, 14 years ago? 14 years. It'll be 14 years this May. So... Yeah, I caught on fire. I'm preaching to everybody in the treatment center. I'm very black and white, very rigid about my approach. I just knew that once I was blind a minute ago, now I can see, and I want to tell everybody about it. So I had a rough package, and the Lord took some years to tenderize my heart and to explain to me a little bit more. But when I got out of treatment, my friends actually, I used to gamble a lot, play card games, and they took a pool that I wouldn't make it past four <laughs> days. They didn't tell me this until years later, but they had a they had a pretty big pool for four days running that I wouldn't make it four days outside of treatment sober. So I got out and after 43 days and um, I hit the ground running. I, I got it with a sponsor in AA. I was going to church every day um, or two, three days a week, reading my Bible, working. And I started to pray at a house with about three or four of my buddies and turned into like 40, 50, 60 people coming to my friend's house Two, two, three days a week. Sometimes we had over 100 people show up. Wow. So for, for the first two years, I was working. I had a great job in a bank. Uh, I'm doing these meetings. I became a chaplain at a juvenile facility, lockup, detention center. Uh, I'm doing nightly meetings. People are coming to these meetings, seeing me on my knees, crying out to Jesus, saying, is that the same guy that was you know, drinking and fighting and robbing and doing that stuff? You know, God must be real. Actually, the first time I went back to New York after two years of sobriety, I sat around a table with a group of friends, and my one buddy just looked across the table at me every five minutes. It's all he said was, uh, what the heck? But he, you know, I was, Yeah. And I, I said, the only thing I could tell you, Taylor, is God is real because there's no other explanation for me to have this change in my life. Yeah. So after two years of that, of um, just growing in the Lord, praying. Um, God introduced me to fasting. I started fasting a lot, reading the Bible, praying, seeking him every day. And I felt a call to leave my job and to go to Bible college. And so I spent about seven years completing four years of school with breaks in between some of the years to travel internationally in and around the world to Mongolia, throughout the Middle East, uh, Israel, Brazil, um, other places as well teaching and preaching. So I'm studying and I'm training at a missionary Bible college, and then I'm traveling around the world. I Which were, with the travels was part of your education or just God taking you, I'm taking you out for a while? Yeah, taking me out for a while. <laughs> it's just amazing how the things work. Because for me, it's always been organically. My life, I've always tried to pray John five nineteen and 20. Jesus only did that which would he saw the Father doing. And so I've, I've lived my life in, as that as the model, just saying, God, you have to lead me. So much so that if I, I'm, I'm going to look foolish if you don't show up, if you don't give me direction, if you don't speak to me. And um, in that process, he, he took me around the world. He taught me how to go from this young, zealous young man who was black and white, not so gracious with other Christians that weren't living as radical as I was in my estimation, to teaching me what it's like to rest in his love and to rest in his sonship, um, to still pursue him and to still um, 
take a, a, a strong line for the faith, but just with a different approach. And um, I think that's been the biggest part of the journey for me um, is, 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 is learning to, to walk in grace because it's much easier to, sh- to tell somebody what they have to do than to preach grace and allow them the freedom to choose because you release all the control onto the Father if you properly preach the grace of God and the cross of Jesus Christ. So that's been my message. 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, Paul said, God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise through the preaching of the cross. And he said, I forget to know everything else except Christ and him crucified. And that's been the message that I've carried around the nations um, over, the, over the years. So here's what we're going to do. We have one more break to do, and think on these two things uh, in the time we have left. Just think about anything about your, your mom and dad okay. raising you in God's ways, and also there was that rebellion for a lot of years. Sure. And just any, any insight about how your mom and dad handled it, how they walked with you or didn't walk with you, or the struggles, and then also what is God doing that you're seeing from a global perspective? Absolutely. Those are two different topics, okay. but yep. we'll have a few minutes to talk on that. Uh, my cousin Paul is in with us. Uh, we're we're going to chat a little bit more in our final segment. Uh, first, just to let you know, there is a brand new show you're welcome to check out on TBN. It's weekday afternoons at 1.30 called Better Together, TBN's first daily original program. Better Together is a show made by women for women. It's presented from an uplifting perspective, looking to encourage viewers in their day-to-day lives. So you're invited to grab a cup of your favorite coffee or tea. Join Victoria Osteen, Lori Crouch, and Christine Kane for authentic, fruitful conversations about faith and life. Laugh, grow, enjoy a sense of community. It's uh, called Better Together, again, tackling a variety of topics, including friendships, identity, intimacy with God, children and family, social media, and a lot more. Again, all from an encouraging, uplifting perspective. Every week, the topics change, keeping things fresh and relevant. On tomorrow's show, for example, Better Together, we'll talk about growing with friends. That's Better Together, weekday afternoons at 1.30 Eastern on TBN or anytime on the TBN app. Why live alone when we can do life together better together? Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. 454 on the Tim DeMoss Show, WFIL, WFIL.com. My guest is my cousin Paul, who the Lord got a hold of, and now he's walking with the Lord after a lot of years of not walking with him, even though he grew up in a Christian home. So speak to that, because you mentioned you knew better in a lot of ways. Sure. How how was it as from a can you talk to your mom and dad you know post getting on board with the Lord fourteen years ago and and what was it like for them you know if you th- yeah fam, my, uh, hi mom she's because I know she's listening I think dad's probably fishing and he'll he'll listen later but um you know it's an interesting dynamic family right I mean Jesus had brothers and mothers and fathers that didn't fully understand him so I, me coming into addiction. Um, later on in, in my 14 years of sobriety, I went back to pursue a master's degree in psychology from the same school that I, I graduated from with my undergraduate, Palm Beach Atlantic. So I've learned about family dynamics. I've learned about communication. And I think you, a lot of people in America, all around the world, uh, grow up in religion, grow up in church. Uh, we all know uh, once you meet Jesus that we all have to have it personalized in a way that we own it that you grow it so parents can do the best they can with what they have. And I say sometimes an older generation that doesn't stay up with communication or the trends and and what God is doing, it's like an iPhone 10 talking to a rotary phone sometimes. (laughs) But, you know, my parents were, were loyal. They were faithful. They always had my back, and they always prayed for me, which are huge things for me. I work in drug treatment business, and I see a lot of people that don't have that. 
And so the gratitude that I have for two parents that have been married 50 years who loved the Lord, that had stayed together through thick and thin and through the messiness of a, an Italian and a Greek and all that comes along with that background yeah. to love me and to instill that in me as a young man. So that faith in Christ never left me in the darkest moments in nightclubs or in back alleyways. I, I had conversations with Jesus throughout that time. And so through my healing, I think the whole family's benefited, my brothers, my extended family, my mom and dad, I've gone on this journey to get language for the human development and the grace of God, because he is a father and what it fully means to be a son. And so I try my best to love my family and our, and our dance together. And I think we've all grown tremendously over the last 14 years. That's good. Now, I know we don't have a lot of time left. I'm almost thinking I'd rather just uh, chill and tape a segment with you. I can just play back tomorrow. You're going to be ministering sure. in other parts. So, But if you want, take a moment and just share a little piece of what maybe this last trip you were away for 10, 12 days. Yeah, I was in an uh, undisclosed nation that yeah. is closed off to Christianity. And uh, just to give you a taste, I, I spent five, six hours in an interrogation room going in there because my previous trip I had attended a Christian conference. And they which, knew it. Yeah, the military came on the bus and took our passport, so I was placed on a list. So I had to call the U.S. Embassy in order for me to get allowed to be into the nation, which gave me a, even a perspective for what the church in that region and that city has to go through. Um, even before I went, I, I was reading First John 4, and the first three verses talks about the Antichrist spirit going out into the world, and this is how we know it's an Antichrist spirit, is that they deny that Jesus came in the flesh, and this particular nation denies that. So the Christians, uh, it, it, it opens up your eyes to the liberties and the freedoms. Um, it's easy to come back from a mission field and rebuke America and the church, and I don't want to do that because we we have different struggles. Yeah, but I, it gives you the, the community over there. The richness of the believers are so tight knit because they're less than seven percent of the population, ninety three percent of another faith, and yeah. so it's uh, it's a blessing and an honor to go into the, to those parts of the world and to serve the poor and run alongside the churches and be able to to minister that capacity. We'll, we'll chat some more after our program. Here, I'll play this back tomorrow, a little piece of it. Paul Eastman is my cousin. He is in and uh, sharing the gospel this, this afternoon. Uh, thank you for doing that. And, uh, yeah. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. God bless you, my friend. Uh, Jim Maxim, Acts 413 Ministries, is going to lead in prayer next. But a wonderful prayer breakfast earlier today, by the way, with Pastor A.R. Bernard. Uh, we'll probably share more about that tomorrow. Have a wonderful evening. Take care, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.